Welcome to episode 27 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. I am B-Rob as always, and today I'm going to be joined by Alex Canner and Michael Frank. Alex, how you doing? Good. It feels good to be back. I feel like it's been a really long time. It's really only been like nine days or ten days probably, but that just shows how great our social lives are doing right now. And also, we have Michael Frank. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing great. Also feels good to be back. It's great to have you guys back on. Um, We will be joined by Mitch later, so I'll give you guys a little rundown of what today's episode of The Pineapple Couch will be. But first, subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. That that helps. Maybe leave a five-star review if you're feeling generous. I don't know. Um, Today, we're going to wrap up the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, that just finished up. Uh, Episodes 9 and 10 aired this Sunday on ESPN. Um, And then we're going to briefly touch on our thoughts of the NBA, how the playoffs could potentially go this summer as there is some momentum. There's some moment, more momentum towards sports starting back up, it seems, as of the last couple of days. And then what we're going to do is similar, similar to what we did last week with the Rolling Stones, we're going to deep dive the Growlers, um, give some of our favorite songs, and that, of course, will be a playlist as well that will be um, posted wherever we post the podcast, uh, right under that on like Twitter or Instagram. So without further ado, let's get into the MJ doc wrap up. Um, I just kind of want this to be an open discussion guys on just this documentary as a whole, what we took away from it and really anything you guys want to bring up is fair game. So I'm going to start with this point, Michael Jordan, this is going to seem obvious, but Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. It is not close. There is no one in his league. There's no one in Michael Jordan's league. He's the most dominant player I've ever seen. I've taken this time of this quarantine. I've rewatched, not hundreds, like I'd say like eh, 40 to 60 Michael Jordan games throughout his career. The dude had a tenacity that only can be compared to like Kobe Bryant. That's the only person who you can really mention that with. And then the way the spotlight hit Jordan, it hit him differently than it ever hit anyone else. No one could absorb the spotlight like Jordan. The only person in my opinion who comes kind of close is Magic Johnson. Just the way the attention, like it all gravitate around him. But Michael Jordan is not only the greatest basketball player of all time, not close. He is the coolest athlete of all time. And so this documentary, just it was so awesome because I suspected that and I kind of knew, but getting that all was very awesome. What do you guys think? Yeah, it was super humbling as a basketball fan, I thought, in a way. You know, yeah, like, agreed. I, I've gone my whole life with this idea that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player, but I never really understood it in its entirety. I mean, like, there's so much you can get from basketball reference, you know? But, and, and even like watching and even watching Michael Jordan basketball games sometimes, you're like, yeah, it looks really good, but it really takes the context. To, to understand how dominant he really was, you know, like why was this game so important? Why was that one play so important? Um, so I thought it was really humbling. And, and I, I mean, obviously it was an incredibly fun experience. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, t- to Brian's point, one of the biggest takeaways was just how much of a cultural icon he was. And I, I mean, like throughout the world, mm-hmm. like seeing those, you know, or that footage from him, traveling around and being in France and, and kind of going to these different places and still having the same amount of fans, more fans, people all wearing his Jersey, wearing 
every single thing that they could that had to do with Michael He's Jordan. The most famous person running. on the planet. Ex- exactly. And I think there are a few that have risen to that status where they are literally the most famous person on the planet. Yes, one, but also the most dominant person in their field or, or in whatever they're doing. Um, and so I definitely took it as a, whoa, okay, yeah, he's the greatest of all time, but also he's one of the most important, I think, cultural figures of the last, you know, 50, 75 years. I completely agree. I, like, I think with Jordan, like, the only person who's in his class of just, like, stardom and accomplishment-wise is, like, Muhammad Ali. That's, like, yep. that's who it, – it's not even, like – like that's why I kind of find it I just find it so interesting of people who like to like say that Jordan's not the best it's like what about him do you not like what couldn't you love about Jordan that's what I don't get like watching the way that guy competes I just I love it and um I just it this documentary just continued it continued to baffle me over the course of it of how people were using it to kind of say oh well this means LeBron's better like do you not realize what the fuck like Michael Jordan had to go through in the Eastern Conference and how good those teams he played in the finals are? We don't need to go through the list of Hall of Famers, but it's insane. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. It, for, for, for the LeBron fans, it is like a really interesting takeaway to be like, oh, now this is the proof that LeBron – really is the goat or whatever you know dude was six and oh in the but, finals that's the only argument i need like that with Jason six Siegel. finals mvps with six finals mvps i mean it's just insane it's 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 really really insane dude one of the one of the takeaways i have and it's obviously been in the news these last couple of days as well is that you know apparently scotty pippen is like really pissed off about this whole thing and how he was portrayed but really yeah and i thought he was i i came out of it thinking like this is awesome I, I, I he, thought he comes out really high on top. Like the way that I understood it was that here was a guy that was like always this in the same league. It was, you know, it was Michael and then it was Pippen and Rodman and they were just kind of like the other guys. Right. But after watching the documentary, it's like without Scotty, Michael does not win those championships. No question. Right. So I thought it was like, I, agree. I, I, I came away thinking this guy has got to be, you know, in the top, 30 40 players of all time oh easily but like the thing that i don't understand if he's upset about it is like the most damaging things that came out of this for scotty is how he when he said that he would do the same decision again to not check back into the game with a second or two yeah he said that that he can't get mad at the documentary for oh how it's like dude you said that and then the other thing is like scotty pippen is a great player he's one of the greatest players in nba history he's still kind of like pushed out in big moments his entire career like he sometimes stepped up to the plate but like that stuff with the migraine like the way jordan talks about it like you you, you can't escape that like that that should be attached to scotty pippen he's obviously one of the greatest players of all time but everyone has baggage like pippen like he did wuss out yeah look I what mean, jordan did with the flu game sorry it's tough it's especially tough because in the doc it's hard, so hard not to compare those two things you know because you see mm-hmm. jordan fight through all of this you know all this physical pain um but also i i agree with you alex that i it actually made scotty i thought look better like no, at I the end of it i was like too. oh oh scotty pippen is actually ranked too low on all of these all-time lists and he should be included more on 
all-time teams and all this other stuff because he's a perfect fit for the best player of all time and that counts for a lot you know um i I I also think it i also think it and this is not to the same degree but even someone like steve kerr who's not necessarily someone i thought tons and tons about like i know he hit a couple big shots but um i think giving him even that little section of a story and giving kind of these other pieces to you know jordan's team they're kind of mini stories within the doc kind of felt even more special and it, it it felt like each player was so essential even though of course mj was by far the best on the team yeah um a, another thing that really stood out to me of watching this series and like the dominance of mj is the way he closed out game sixes in the finals over the course of his career where it was like there's no fucking way we're going to a game seven just the way he would put his foot down and just refuse to let the bulls lose it's it's you never it's something you might not ever see again i mean six and oh in the finals you guys know what i'm talking about with that <laughs> quote right from the jason whatever jason siegel movie yeah. that is like the yeah. what is lebron yeah. versus jordan it's like six six yeah. championships sean that's the only argument i need that's just kind of like with jordan that always it's like a i repeat myself but six championships and to go off this so do you guys think that so the end of the last episode it kind of revolved around Jordan kind of saying that he would have come back and they would have ran it back they didn't get a chance to defend their crown I think that the Bulls would have had a very good shot to win the finals the next year with the shortened season and the fact that the eighth seed Knicks without Patrick Ewing made the finals you're gonna have a battle in the finals with Robinson and Duncan this is Michael Jordan we're talking about I think I've seen like Jalen Rose has dismissed it Bill Simmons has dismissed it of how oh no that Bulls team wouldn't have competed if they brought back Jordan and Scottie Pippen reality check they would have competed there's no way in hell right yeah yeah I completely agree I'm not sure if they would have won the title, but the way I was thinking about it was even if they don't win the title that year, if they decide to, I mean, like if they decide to run it back and and this team at least even gets a little break in the beginning of the season and they just squeak into the playoffs, having that experience of winning all those titles, though exhausting, is so massive in the playoffs, which is what we saw at the end of the dock you know as they were playing younger teams they were able to dig deeper they were able to find the big shots trust others when they needed to um and make all the right plays to win a title you know so it it's hard i think to say oh they they wouldn't have had that because they still have all those qualities you know they just won all these titles and it's michael jordan exactly and and also even if he's 36 or however old we would have been on that last season um he just won the mvp and the finals mvp and the all-star game mvp the dude's a savage yeah so (laughs) i i think they still would have had a really good shot to compete at the highest level and what you see it with even with that team is when they're gelling they can rattle off wins like it's Mm -hmm. nobody's business so i don't think that even if they started slowly or or fatigue and, and exhaustion and all these other things Yes, they would have played a factor, but I'd be shocked if they didn't compete at the highest stage, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think one of the things that that we learned is that you don't bet against him. You know, like 
it, it, it obviously everybody wants to be that person to say that the dynasty will fall this year and you're right. Right? Like that's what people look for. They're going to say, whether it's the Warriors are going to say, oh, this year is not that the year Patriots. and they lose. The Patriots, it's not that year they lose. That's what people want to see. They want to be the ones to get it right, you know? But when it comes to guys like Michael Jordan and specifically in the game of basketball where a single player probably has the most impact on the outcome of a game than any other big sport in the United States other than like in, in team sports, Quarterbacks obviously. and pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the point being is like, if Michael Jordan can get that team into the playoffs, right, he will mm-hmm. will them to at least the finals. Like, he's not going to lose. He won't allow that to happen. And, and like, until he makes a decision that I don't want to do it anymore or is on a team like the Wizards and they just, you know, he's, he's much older at that point. Why, why would you say that he wouldn't be able to do it, you know? Also, imagine all of the, the new inspiration and, and all the new things that he can get upset about in another season when people calling him old, oh, the light people is fire. saying he's washed up, washed king round one, and, <laughs> and all this stuff. It'll fuel him, and of course, it'll become personal again, and so he'll compete, and I completely agree, Alex. He'll at least will them to the finals. Yeah, there was the quote yeah. in the documentary earlier about how Jordan had gotten so good that it he wasn't playing basketball anymore. He just knew how to win or something. It was essentially like something like that. And I think that's what we would see the next year. I have some I have a couple more things I want to talk about. Um This has been one because the Jordan documentary was out, and then the other factor is that everyone's in quarantine, so we're just talking about anything because there's no live sports. There's been a lot of comparison between NBA eras. So, like, the stars of now, how would they fare back then? How would the stars of then fare now? And yada, yada, yada. I have a statement that I'm just going to say that is a fact. Okay? (laughs) Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird, and Hakeem, and whoever was good back then, but I'm highlighting those main players, would have been, they would right now be just as good, if not better. But at the same time, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you put them back in the 80s, 90s, they would be just as successful as they are now. It is the same thing. Good players find a way to win. So all this crap of like, oh my God, Larry Bird couldn't do it now with because he's unathletic. Well, first of all, you're an idiot because Larry Bird was really athletic. He just looked like the whitest person of all time. And then the idea that guys like Steph, KD, might not be able to handle the physicality of the 80s, 90s. It's like you're talking about some of the greatest players of all time. So that I just wanted to say that because it's so obvious to me and it gets me so mad. Great players adjust. Yeah. I, I, you, you don't really need to, I think, even put it farther than that. Great players, like you said, find a way to win find a way to get it buckets, you know, find a way to take their teams to the promised land. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. I, I really do think that there it's, well, it's just, it's really hard to compare. It's impossible to compare. Like, you know, if, if Kevin, like, I think Kevin Durant is such an interesting example because he's just so unbelievably talented. I mean, I think that LeBron is really talented too. But Kevin Durant obviously doesn't have the power that LeBron has. So like you Great take Kevin Durant in any era, you put him in the 70s. I mean, he's just scoring so many points. 
I mean, yeah. does he score more points than he does now? Yeah, maybe. I think I do think so. But well, and then the idea that the physicality of the sorry, but the physicality of those games back then would make Steph Curry to forget how to shoot three pointers. Yeah, well, you wouldn't like, even be what? touching him. You wouldn't get the chance to touch him. You wouldn't get the chance to touch him, right? And I, I just think, like, I think that you're right. I think you guys are both really right. And I think that it, it really comes to the point of, like, these these guys, uh, the, the the premier NBA players, the, the Kareems, the Magics, the LeBrons, the Kevins, the Michaels, all of them view the game and understand the game differently than any other player that has ever played the game of basketball, right? So, like, you put There's them on any basketball court. Shit. Dude, no, truly. You put them on any basketball court in any time era, at any place in the world or the universe, they will find a way to win and score. Amen. Like, they will. Hey, fucking men. Um, I got a – do you guys have anything else? Because I do have a, a question that I want to close with. So if you have any other points, let's hear them now. I got one. Okay. Okay, so maybe this is just like – you know, uh, I, Michael doesn't talk about this and like this, this idea that I'm bringing up was not touched on in the documentary, but it's something that I, especially in the last couple episodes, just couldn't get out of my mind was that to, 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 to be Michael Jordan. And like, this is something that I don't see with LeBron and maybe it's just because of social media and the way that we communicate nowadays, but to be Michael Jordan truly seemed like one of the loneliest lifestyles. Like, I just couldn't get that out of my brain. Like, I'm watching him, right? Like, even on the court, his skill level puts him in a different league. His personality puts him in a different league. Like, all these things separate him from your normal human being. Uh, And then you add on top of, like, all of the tragedies that occurred in his life. You know, like, you you think about it. Like, one of the main guys they they talk about, um, right, is his security guard and how he became a father figure to him. And I'm not saying that's, like, bad or anything, but, like... Out of you know, he's met so many freaking people, and it just the person he clings to is the person that just is there the most with him, you know. And even yeah. his interactions with like Larry and the other NBA players, it's like you just have to think that Michael Jordan is just like, I we're not friend, like we're not, we're not super close, like emotional mm-hmm. partners well, in this whole thing. It's I don't know, I just it's so that's, interesting. I like that point because I think that's very true of like the players he played against in the 90s the only counter i have is like with magic and bird jordan did seem to have this respect for them and um that's okay i have two things to say you got me you got my brain going a hundred different places right now alex i saw this thing about how people were saying that um lebron's the goat and mj always called himself the goat michael jordan never called himself the goat because he said he has respect for the people who came before him, like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he Wilt said it was cringy. Bill Russell. He said it was cringy, he said it was cringy to call yourself. And LeBron yeah. said that there's that stupid clip of him in his stupid show talking about how that's when I knew I was the best of all time. Let me just say, like, Michael Jordan would never say that. That's why Michael Jordan is the GOAT. And to go to your point, Alex, of how lonely it seemed being Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is a prime example. Michael Jordan risked everything to win. Nothing was off the table. He would do anything it took to win. So that even if it meant affecting his personal life and he wouldn't be close with people, that was okay because all Michael Jordan cared about was being a great basketball player. And so will we see another Michael Jordan? I don't know because people like that are so rare to have that singular mindset and that drive. I don't think we've ever really seen a player in all of – 
any sport like Michael Jordan. You could maybe say Tom Brady, the way he's stayed in shape late. I mean, LeBron obviously takes care of his body, but yeah, I love Michael Jordan so fucking much. Yeah, I I don't know if this is what your your question is about, Brian, but less about um, the actual contents of the doc, and I guess more about the doc as a whole. It's actually been pretty incredible to watch because it feels like it's this just massive cultural event to watch this documentary. Yeah. It's like Like, a Game of Thrones type monoculture. Yeah. Monoculture. Yeah. I was literally just going to say that. Like it's monoculture is just not something we have tons anymore, you know, because there's just so, so many options. Yeah. Um, Sports was like the main form of it. And then it was taken away. Yeah, exactly. And so this has like been something that, following i think like tiger king was like mini monoculture you know like kind of everyone was watching it but this is monoculture like done right like this is an incredible piece of like a documentary like filmmaking um and archival work and and, like preservation um that i actually think is gonna have like a pretty long lasting impact as and, and i think that it'll be something that when people want to return to like who Michael Jordan is and, and who some of the greatest athletes are, they'll return to this like piece of evidence, you know, like this like massive piece that has so much in it um, about really, really important people during um, a, this like time of uncertainty, mm-hmm. you know, like I, it, it's been pretty incredible because it's everywhere. Every single social media platform, people you talk to, like basically, you know, so, so many people are watching this Um so it's kind of it's it's pretty incredible in that way. Yeah, I mean it's treated like a game seven every Sunday night, which during this time of nothing going on is nice to have. Um, Michael, you dipped your toe in the water of my question. I want us to fully dive in now, Cannonball. What is the impact of this documentary going to be? What do you think that this impact is going to have on people like us who remembered vaguely of Jordan, but were not alive, or we were zero, one, two, and three when he was on the Bulls? What do you think this impact is going to have, Alex? We'll start with you. I think that I think the impact that it has is is going to paint the picture of what the NBA is. Like that's what it helped me do. It gave me such like a deeper contextual understanding of the NBA, of the legends of the NBA. And and that includes Michael, but it includes Magic and Larry, you know? And I think when you look now at all of these these things like and it, and it it sucks that we can't be watching basketball too because it'd be so fun to be able to watch the documentary, then immediately turn on TNT do and like know, watch a current basketball game. Do you know what the original plan for the documentary was? I'm gonna make you really sad. The oh, original no. plan for no. the <laughs> Michael Jordan documentary is that it would have been on off nights of the NBA Finals this year, so it wouldn't have been on Jesus. Sundays like that. It would have been game one of the NBA Finals next day. MJ Doc Part One and Two, that sort of shit. And I'm okay. sorry, that'd be incredible. That that sucks. That sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But I guess the the but like I don't know. And and if the, okay, here's a cool thing that that I've been thinking a lot about. I it and if the playoffs come back this year, which it's looking more. I mean, even today, more news is coming out. It's looking more promising. If you're an NBA player right now, you have got to be watching that and thinking to yourself, the second I get back on a basketball court, I'm going to try to absolutely dominate. 
So maybe what it does is it just absolutely gasses everyone up so much for the playoffs that we have one of the best playoffs that we've seen in a really long time. All right. Off that topic, let's rank the top three players we think that not just because of Jordan, but who's going to be the most fucking hungry when we get back. (laughs) I'm going to start us off. I think so we'll each give it. We'll each give a guy. And if we need to name others, we can. I'm going to say my selection for this is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he, I mean, because Giannis loved Chris Middleton and them, but Giannis is a one-man machine if the Bucks are going to win the title. If, they're gonna, if the Bucks are going to beat the Lakers or Clippers, Giannis is going to have to do it. Chris Middleton's obviously going to need to step up, but Chris Middleton is not on the same level of an Anthony Davis or a Paul George. So Giannis I could see as someone who really just, this lights a fire in him, and we just see, just I love angry Giannis, very determined. I could see that. What do you guys got? I think LeBron. Like, uh, I think that LeBron truly is going to be like, <laughs> no, I mean, think about LeBron. No, this is a I guy right. that, Keep going. that that cares so much about legacy, right? And I think that when he's watching this, like, every year left in his career is going to really solidify his legacy. And he needs another championship if he wants to be the GOAT. So I, I, I agree with that because I one. think seeing Jordan um, still to this day be pissed off about not running it again and defending the title. I think LeBron will look at that and really be like, I need to make the most of every fucking season I have left because I'm LeBron is all about his legacy. You're right. He just needs, he wants to keep stacking trophies, whether it be MVPs or titles. I think him seeing how Jordan is still pissed off to this day that he didn't get as much as he thinks he could will have an effect on him. I think you're right, Alex. Yeah. I think for, as a third person, I'd like to go just a, like a pure scorer. Like, I think that if you're a pure scorer in the NBA and you watch this documentary, ben you would... I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think someone, not necessarily, I think someone that has a little more, like, uh, skin in the game than, than, let's say, like, a Devin Booker, but so, so maybe, like, a Hardener or someone like that that literally watches someone completely Tatum. dominate. Yes, yeah, so, someone Luka. that literally comes in and he puts up big numbers every single important game that was another thing i took away from the documentary that they really don't show a lot of but always you can hear it in the you know announcing or whatever at the end of those games it's always like and there was another 47 for michael and uh in a massive game in a massive game yeah yeah yeah, and you're like, like 45 oh, 45 of 90 team points. Exactly. Yeah, no. So then it's like, yeah, and, oh, there was 52 of these 77 points, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, and even that, even that one where it was like, uh, the Jazz scored 54 well, fucking points in a game. I, we didn't talk on that. Yeah. But how crazy is that? In an NBA Finals it's, game, the Jazz scored 54 points. I'm sorry, Stephen Facer. It's my buddy. He's a Jazz fan, but that is crazy. It's insane, and it, even. I thought one of the biggest examples of that was um, in that finals game. And I now I'm blanking on his name. Who, the the point guard from the early years uh, that, you know, Steve Kerr kind of replaced. Who, who am I talking about? John Paxson. John Paxson. So basically that I'm pretty sure it was in that game where he hit that big shot. Hadn't Jordan hit like the last 10 minutes worth of points or something. Yeah, probably. Like he had, he, I think, it was either that game or another where Jordan scored every single bucket in the fourth quarter, except for the last one. Can you imagine that happening in an NBA game today? Someone just saying, okay, no, actually, I'm going to score every single basket uh, for my team for the entire fourth quarter. That's it. 
Yeah. People certainly try. It's absurd. Um, Wait, I got one other. I got okay, one other thing I want to throw in here that that you guys got me thinking about. Another huge thing that I think separates Michael Jordan from LeBron James is the respect of his peers, like direct peers, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're never. I promise you, you will never hear Steph Curry talking up LeBron James in the way that Reggie Miller would ever talk about Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like that will never happen again. Which and is just insane, thing. and it's not like it's not like these are young guys looking up to Michael. It's like they're they are your that's his peer. The way that Magic talks about him, Isaiah, well, Isaiah's got his whole other bit of baggage, <laughs> but you know, like the the Reggie Millers of the world and these other guys, John Stockton, like yeah, they say they're not scared, fine, but they all are like, I may not be scared of him, but he was the best and will always mm-hmm. be the best. Malone coming up to him on the bus after the oh, oh my yeah, gosh, was, what a that really scene cool. that was. Um, I was going to make a joke that uh, another difference between Jordan and LeBron is that uh, <laughs> LeBron doesn't have the support of the hosts of the Pineapple Couch, while Michael Jordan does. So we'll see how that goes True. for him. Um, let's go. Also, uh, Mike. Wait, sorry. Last thing on just the documentary as a whole. Uh, I just want to say, I think that this is also going to change the way that like sports documentaries are done, especially in terms of just pure footage. Like I think that there will be more and more camera crews attempting to like, capture things like this Mm -hmm. you know so like trying to capture a season in that warriors locker room with steph or or lebron's last season or whatever it may be you know like i saw a lot of tweets saying i can't wait for the kobe shack version of this and i think that we'll have i know but i think we'll have more and more of this type of thing especially because it went so well i agree because i think what you'll see is that how jordan like kind of like controlled the narrative somewhat in this you'll see that a lot of other players will take their legacy into their own hands and do something similar to this yeah i agree but i'm curious like like when you're in the moment though how do you know i mean like take the warriors for example right like they could have had a documentary like this made and they said no right so like like that's just gonna be an interesting time Yeah, but I mean, like, there was a crew that said, we want to follow you, and they said no. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like, when you're in the moment, like, how do you allow that that intimacy? I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it kind of gets into, like, the business versus the just winning basketball games idea. Like, do you want the content, or do you want your team to not have to deal with cameras in their face? Yeah, well, isn't it shocking that Jordan even allowed something like this to happen? Yeah, it, it... I mean, from everything we learned about him, it is shocking that he did. Like, it's shocking that he cared about this. But it worked out. It worked out for him. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about the hopefully upcoming NBA playoffs really quick. Last week, I gave Mitch my pitch (laughs) on how to save the NBA playoffs potentially. And I just want to run over that with you guys and then get your guys' opinion on what you think, what your expectations are for whatever we get for the playoffs hopefully this summer. My idea was basically... That So I've seen, like, Disney World in Florida is, like, the number one option that the NBA is considering. And so I think really what you should do is you should take the 16 teams. I don't think you should play out the rest of the regular season um, because you don't want to bring in – you don't want to just double the amount of people you have there. So that while that might suck, if you're, like, in a battle for an 8-9 seed, oh, well, you're, for the most part, not going to win the finals. It doesn't fucking matter. Um So what it would be is you take the top 16 teams, you have East-West, and what you do is you have it in Disney World, and so you have, like, two games usually going on at a time maybe or spread it out more, and it's all on this Disney World campus where the players could be in their hotel room 
or they could go to like a movie theater they have restaurants or whatever but what the cool thing about this idea is that is so there's obviously going to be no crowd so what you want to do is this you can create a summer league type environment where the players are the crowd so theoretically let's say in the second round of the playoffs i don't know if this works out bracket wise but like the thunder and the clippers played lebron james is boys with chris paul and he's probably going to be waiting for the clippers in the eastern in the western conference finals if his game is at the same time and he has some time that'd be cool if lebron was in the crowd and all we're, the talk, we're talking players, like an aau tournament yeah exactly and like all the younger players what a, like what are the ninth and 10th guys on some rosters going to be doing? <laughs> They're going to go watch the games. And what I think is important to notice out is that the players will all be talking shit and reacting to the plays. That could kind of replace, not fully, but the crowd noise. And another thing, people are like, oh, it's going to be so weird when they can't cut to the crowd. Well, let me pose this question to you. It's a lot fucking cooler to see how Giannis reacts to a giant dunk than Joe Schmo, <laughs> f- who spent a thousand dollars on tickets and can't even dribble a basketball like it would be way cooler to see that and i do think that the players eventually maybe not at first but eventually they'd want to go watch these games right just like if you're the lakers and you're already in the western conference finals and you're waiting for the winner of the clippers versus whoever i bet a couple of them go to that game like why not it would be entertaining they all love basketball they all want it back so much what do you guys think about that I love that. <laughs> I love that. I think I did it, it. Is I did it. A fascinating idea. I, I just now I'm just thinking of certain players like at at these games. Like I would like Rudy love Gobert to stuffing see, his face in the crowd. Like yeah, he's just like munching on popcorn, mm-hmm. dude. Seeing like seeing Lou Will just at these games, and also it's just great to see some some incredible fashion. Oh, These yeah. dudes just rolling up with the fattest give him a red carpet. Chain, yeah, give them a red carpet. I think dude, I had a, a I had a totally different idea. I was thinking they would be like the the varsity team watching the JV team, so they're like in warm ups and and slides. Oh, like the NCAA <laughs> tournament, kind of. Exactly, exactly. I, like oh, I was thinking like they're celebrities. Oh, I got okay, okay. Or I like I would really like it if someone came in with like a clipboard and they're like taking notes or something like that. That's like I'd love to happen. see. I'd love to see Mike Conley out there taking notes. Dude, but one of the things you, you brought up What specifically? That- is because he's left-handed? <laughs> yep. <laughs> is that why you chose Mike know. Conley? I just was thinking jazz. I've been kind of on a, I don't know, you talked about the jazz. I've been kind of on a little jazz kick, thinking, like, actually their team's pretty good, and like I kind of like their team. Yeah, it's just tough to and- score 90 points <laughs> with that offense. <laughs> Sorry. It's tough, but also I think Mike Conley is my favorite player on that team. So, yeah, probably. Um, um, you guys have okay. So else one on thing that? you guys, yeah, one thing you guys got me thinking about that I had, I haven't really thought about the playoffs that much. Yo, we we got more things. No, no, yes. Oh, Don't you worry. <laughs> we we got more things. Yeah, dude, Brian, we can go twelve hours, man. I I can come up with stuff, no problem. Um, no, one thing that I I honestly haven't thought about the playoffs too much because it. Like everything else during this time, like I just haven't put thought into things that I don't know if are going to happen or not, you know. But so I haven't thought about this. So this is sparking a lot of interest, a lot of mental interest right now. Mm. The audio is going to be so sick. If the NBA tries to screw me and like bleep out everything, I'm going to be so mad. But if we get pure audio of a basketball court where I'm hearing every squeak and defensive call and every switch 
and everything, that will be the best piece of basketball ever. I'd rather that than having fans. Screw the fans. Get them out. Yeah. Let me hear yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo yelling at Chris Middleton on a switch. Like that's that's the like content that. that I want, I and that, that would be awesome. Everyone's mic'd up. Yeah, everyone's mic'd up. <laughs> like everybody's mic'd up. I that would be really cool. I like it, Mike. You got anything before we head into got, our Growlers deep dive? I got nothing. I got nothing. I loved hearing your guys' ideas though. Incredible stuff by you two. Hey, thanks. You know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick little break here on the Pineapple Couch, and then Mitch will join us, and we will be deep diving through the Growlers catalog, one of our favorite bands. Stay tuned. Welcome on back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. I got Alex and Michael still here with me. And we're welcoming back on our good friend, Mitchell Rincon. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. It's nice to see your guys' lovely faces once again. Good. It's always always great to see you, too. Same to you, Mitch. Same to you, Mitch. You're looking good today. Strong. That's what a winner looks like, Mike Frank. (laughs) <laughs> what a winner looks like already also, talking trash mitch mitch the room that you're in is giving me like a early 1900s hotel room oh what? yeah i kind of um, see that anyone nice else lamp, that? though well you yeah just... i got a nice rocking chair here it's it's this is where i've been spending my time is there a screen and... on that window definitely not <laughs> that um, one yeah. yeah oh nice see-through quality all right guys enough of about uh mitch's quarters even though we could probably go on that for a while let's uh get into it we're gonna we last week we talked about the rolling stones mitch is holding a pig now things are hitting the hitting the fan very quickly right now so we're gonna growlers deep dive we're gonna make a playlist of uh all of our favorite growler songs so if you wanted to check them out and you don't know where to start you could check this out or if you love them already and just want to keep listening you can listen to this. Uh, it's it's a draft, but it's not a competition. We're really just trying to put to put together the best playlist possible to show our favorites of the Growlers. Really, it's as simple as that. Um, I'm gonna have Alex start. Mitch will be second. Michael, thir- Michael, you will be third, and I will go fourth. And um, Ooh, it is it, right. it is it is not a snake draft. So. Alex will go first in all the rounds. Just be easy I like that. Brian, I think you're a one or a two. You're not, you're not really a clean. No, I, I am exclusively a one or a nine. <laughs> you could I, go I wow. prefer nine. I prefer nine. <laughs> you, could bat, you could bat seven. Playing play right field, bat yeah, seven. Bat and left, seven. Left, left, left field, left ninth. Field. Left field, left Brian field, field and ninth. I, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-oh. First he questions my speed. Now my throwing arm. Let's get into the Growlers. Alex, set the stage here. What is the first song you're going to be adding to our Growlers playlist? Oh, let me just set the stage really quick. I love the Growlers. The Growlers are from um, Dana Point, San Clemente here in Orange County. They've been making albums since 2008 or official albums. I think they've been together since about 2006. Um, some great ones we're going to talk about today. I think the 
the cool thing about the Growlers is they're still going. Some people might not like their newer stuff as much as the old, but it is cool to see them still going, and they're still putting on great live shows. They put, like, two-hour live shows. Alex, now that I'm done rambling, take it away. All right, so um, the first song that I'm selecting here, I honestly think, which is really random, is uh, is the first Growler song I have ever heard in my life. It's one of the shortest Growler songs ever released, but it is nonetheless my favorite off of Are You In Or, or Are You Out or Out. Um, old Eight Legs. Mm. Soft and sweet, no hook, no chorus, just one Sweet jam about an underwater spider, and uh, yeah. I don't know. That's that's a song that's always really stuck with me for a really long time. The deep cut, I like it, Mitch. Uh, yeah, I you know I had, I thought that I was gonna have to jump on here and like you know get <laughs> get the uh, the conversations away from solely uh, you know city club talk. I only think I have one city club song written down, so you know, but, you know the old eight legs is a hell of a call, Alex. Like, see, now we have a happy favorite... Mitch. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> he's not gonna be antagonized. Well, I also think that Mitch initially just threw shade at me, so, like, that was a compliment. He you were gonna also <laughs> threw shade, he threw shade at all of us, fairly true. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you don't look fat today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate that. All right, Mitch, no, uh... but but. As I was saying, like the small little snippets into this just crazy world that Brooks comes up with, like those are the best songs, you know. Like older, we'll get into them a little bit more later, I'm sure. But um, hell of a call. All right, Mitch. Um, yeah, I'm going with a song that uh, uh, me and Brian know very well. Uh, an old Blue Boonies cover. Boy. <laughs> Whatever happened to that band? Are they still making music? They're still big. You did. They don't talk anymore to each other. <laughs> a real oasis yeah. situation. I had a nice telephone call with Clark the other day. I uh, added Clark on Switch. All right, Mitch, let's get into your pick. Yeah. Uh, off Hung at Heart, uh, we're going with Naked Kids, which is a touchy uh, Google type. But um, a hell of a growler song. An unbelievable bass line. That would have been my first pick. Um, great, great, great song. Hung at Heart has a lot of, I think we'll see a lot of Hung at Heart here in this uh, in this draft. Michael, what you got? So I'm uh, going actually off of another different album. Uh, I'm going to go with the song that when I first saw the growlers live, it was the most fun song they performed, um, and I'm gonna go with Big Toe. Ooh, nice! They open with that usually, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Chinese Fountain. Chinese mm-hmm. Fountain. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna conclude here this uh, first round of songs with. Uh, I think my favorite Growler song changes quite a bit, but this is certainly one of them. Um, Humdrum Blues. I'm drum blues off casual acquaintances. Probably. Wait, no, that's not. What's that one called? Let me look it up. It's not casual the, acquaintances. Gilded pleasure. Gilded pleasure. pleasure. My bad. My bad. Humdrum blues. Sad song, but very relatable. I really like it. It's a top top three growler song, definitely. Why is it relatable, Brian? You a sad boy? I once was. Now I've seen the light. <laughs> um, Alex, what you got? 
Um, all right. So I'm actually going to bump it up to 2016. I'm going to go City Club, and Mitch is already pissed, but I don't really care. So <laughs> Fuck him. Fuck him. Um, I'm going to select Dope on a Rope. Um, mm-hmm. Like When I'm listening to City Club, there's a lot of synth on this album, but Dope on a Rope was like really nostalgic listening to this album of older uh, Growler's music, and I just loved it. Every time I listen to it, it's so hard to like not get really, really psyched up. Yeah, there's a, a really cool video uh, on KCRW radio, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's that. Of uh, It's just Brooks and Matt Taylor in a studio, and Matt plays um, the guitar in like one of those pocket amp type things, Mitch, that you had. And he, they play Dope on a Rope, and it's it's really great. Um, so I like that pick, Alex. That's a great song. Mitch, My favorite amp of all time is Clipped under your belt like a cool phone. Um, my second song, uh, um, since we already decided that covers were cool during the Rolling Stones podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I am going to go for a uh, YouTube exclusive. It's tough uh, on Spotify, Ballers. but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I could do I could do another one, but I just and really I know quick. what you're gonna take. You cuts only. You should take it. You should take cuts it. only. Cuts only. Uh, it's uh, Brooks belting "Mama Said" by the Shirelles, and it's a medley with uh, "Charlie Don't Surf," but he he sings it as Johnny Don't Surf because he's so Brooks fucking Neal's. good. It's such. It's one of the best. Uh, so pretty good. sure that's from a Valentine's Day concert too. Um, that is a great video. Um, I like that pick a lot, Mitch. Mike, what you got for us? Well, now that I'm going to do another cover, it, it looks worse. Um, but I'm going to go with a song that is timely, definitely during one part of the year. Um, it makes me feel sad and joyful at the same time. Uh, and that is Lonely This Christmas. Uh, I was at the concert that that video was uh, filmed from. In- incredible. Uh, I remember I-, I saw it live. They were all wearing like white suits. Yeah, it was, it was, it was dope. They had like presents on the stage. Yeah, it-, it just brought me more joy than I felt in many times. And uh, I think it's a necessity. Yeah, I-, I think that's a great add to the playlist. That's actually on Spotify too, so that's dope. It is. Um. All right. So for my second pick here, I'm going to go back to Are You In or Are You Out? I'm taking Old Cold River. Fucking love this song. It's just such a such a great... The, I don't know, Mitch, how would you describe the lead guitar on that song? It just like kind of flows down like a river. It is just fucking beautiful. A great early Growlers track. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the cool thing about the early Growlers track is, or tracks in general, is you have much more of Brooks's country influence, and you have like the Johnny Cash bass lines coming in with the upright bass, mm-hmm. and it so, just it, it just moves like a like a freight train, you know. The original bass player is it Cat Signs? He's in like a new band now, right? Am I? I know he's not with the Growlers anymore. I'm pretty sure he has a band, correct? Does anyone I don't know? know? What the band is. I don't know. What the I don't know what is. the band. I've seen photos yeah, though. All right, um, Alex, we're getting into round three. Um, again, we're each gonna be. Doing five songs for this playlist. Uh, Alex, what you got? All right. So I'm going back to Hung at Heart. Um, a love song. 
Oh, you son <laughs> of a bitch. He's about to hit it. It's called One Million Lovers. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Oh, uh, I. That's a good song. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going <laughs> yeah, with another bitch. one. Come on, man. <laughs> no, it's a, no, it's a good song. It's a, Me it's and Brian a classic thinking... growler song. We were thinking of the Me same thing. Me and Brian thing. were just thinking of a different, of a different song. What? Are you going to say that different song? What is... I don't know. Uh, I guess we're still drafting. Does a good GM give away his secrets? I don't know. I don't know. It's my number. Well, Alex, that's a that's a great uh, call, Alex. Do you are you familiar with the YouTube video in like the garage where they do that song? I'm not. Very trippy. Very good. It might just be the fucking music video for the song, and I might be overstating it. I don't know. But great pick, Alex. I mean, that's certainly an essential Growlers track. I will throw no shade because I love all my guests. Um, Mitch, what is up with you? And your pick. Uh, okay. Oh, well, I thought you were just wondering about my life. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> I am going to go with an old classic. I'm going off Hung It Hard again. Two out of my three. On Pet Shop Eyes. Yeah, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Great song, though. Pet Shop Eyes, uh, very simple, but beautiful i i keep there's all these the way the growlers play guitar there's all these like adjectives i want to use to describe it and then i could just never think uh, of them it's 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 uh yeah because it's like this weird uh like dichotomy between <laughs> like fr- like frilly and also like no frills you know mm-hmm. exactly um that it's is straight up and simple but it's like twangy and trebly Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, what you got for us? So I'm I'm actually going to go back to a Chinese Fountain, um, another love song, uh, a song that I once listened to a lot, um, and again, also in a sad time, Brian, um, and that is Love Test. Bunch of sad boys. That's a great song, though. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's sad, so sad. Sad boys with an with an I S at the end too. Yeah, I mean, you're talking growlers. You got a lot of sad songs. That's a that's a great song, Mike. I definitely was gonna maybe select that um, to conclude this third round here. This uh, song is actually uh, not on an album. It is a single. It's uh, it used to not be on Spotify for forever, but now it finally is. It's called Monotonia. Hmm. Did I say that correctly? So good. Mitch? Yeah, I mean, for you, sure. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, I mean, just. Oh. An all okay. Not only is this just an all-time great song with an all-time great riff, there is an unbelievable video of them performing it live in Mexico City, I believe, and it is just fucking awesome because he's obviously singing in Spanish and the whole crowd with him, so it's very cool. Well, there's there's also the the good uh, the Blogo Tech video. Mm-hmm. Exactly when he's like petting the dog. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I forget what song that's. That, is that tell it how it is? Maybe. Mm. I think it is. Uh, but uh, the monotonia one where he, he just smashes his glass that he's drinking out of on the ground. Mm. And yeah, he goes into that. a little he goes into a little jig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? De- definitely yeah. check out that takeaway show if you have not seen that. Um, Alex, let's get started in the fourth round here. What you thinking? All right, so hold on, let me check my little uh, post-it note I put together for this. It's called Research Boys. It's high quality right there. Yeah, I use my legal pads. Um, 
so I'm actually also going going for a single, Brian. Um, and I'm selecting California. Yeah, I f- knew where that one was going. It's a great song. That's a fantastic song. We also we kind of have to we have to pick it. it feels especially with a few of us in California. Wait, Mitch, where are you again? Canada. He's I'm a Wisconsin boy now. Don't say he's in Milwaukee. <laughs> he is in Madison. Yep. Hey, but hey, Brian, still go Bucks, you know? Yeah, go Bucks. The sure. Warriors will come back. Sure. Um. All right, uh, Mitch. I believe you are up. Correct. I don't know where. Um. Where did Michael just go? No, no that I was, was just, that was Alex. California. My oh, bad. My Alex bad. My bad. I'm up. Um. I'm going a song that was just alluded to previously by Brian Robbins. Uh, Tell it how it is. Mm. Off of Gilded Pleasures. Great track. The one in the video. You know, like, I think the the thing about the Growlers is they're one of, and I mean, I say they, but, you know, Brooks Nielsen also, but, like, they are just one of the catchiest songwriting bands and, like, chorus writing bands of, oh, yeah. you know, con- like, contemporary bands and like songwriters but you know no i agree and they have such a signature sound yeah Yeah. it's just it's tough to pick because they're all just you know they're very similar but they're one-offs and like just so uh mitch i've always thought that um the way the growlers tour and the how much they do it and how long their sets are really always kind of was like a little Rolling Stones-esque to me. I know that's like a, a giant comparison, but the the way the, the Growlers like pirate lifestyle, I've always felt was a little like the Stones. Obviously not um, putting anyone in that category of the Stones, but the Growlers certainly do have a very cool vibe like that. Yeah, they, yeah. Every show is just a marathon, first of mm-hmm. all. Like, they work their asses off. But, um, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> uh okay so i'm gonna give a little love to the new album um i grown on me a lot actually yeah yeah though it's not I like it. my favorite growlers album i would say there are a few songs that are just absolute bangers and, and especially kind of like what mitch was saying just so easy to sing along and especially i've been thinking about this recently or at least i was today that the growlers are like a top five uh like driving band like mm. while you're driving in the car just fantastic. definitely driving to the beach definitely. oh yeah so uh i'm gonna go with uh tune out on oh. uh natural affair okay i like that um and uh i'm gonna close out here this fourth round with a little shout out to my friend chris lucich the song selection I will be taking is off Chinese Fountain. Rare Hearts. Just a beautiful song. Beautiful Great pick. Song. Rare Hearts. Add it to the Growlers playlist. Alex, I don't really have much else to say, so how about you get us started on round five? All right, awesome. Um, okay, so before I make my final pick, here's, I think, so I've been thinking a lot about the Growlers recently in preparation for this podcast and just generally speaking. Research. But to research, yeah. doing research. Um <laughs> Dude, the thing that I've realized, and and it's not like I've listened to the Growlers my whole life. I mean, like, these albums aren't super old, right? It's not like I was listening to the Growlers growing up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
and and maybe it was the the time that I was like listening to growlers like throughout high school and college like a bunch of crazy different growing experiences going on but I don't know how it is for you guys but for me all of these albums are so nostalgic but like it's hard for me to pinpoint like why they are all so nostalgic like they're it's a different way but like the nostalgia I get from this music is just insane I don't know. I, I completely agree. I think the Growlers have Michael and I have kind of touched on this, not to get too sappy. The Growlers have some of the best songs of all time to listen to when you're really fucking sad. So that makes them nostalgic, I think, by just nature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's like so much, you know, like beach music that like lacks that type of type of emotion, you know? So I love it. So, anyways, my uh my last pick to round out my selection is coming off of City Club. Uh the final song off of City Club. And it is speed living. Ooh, very nice riff and horns on that. And you know, you never underestimate a good horn section. A good horn section. Yeah, never. and that song is so sick because it comes right off of Blood of a Mutt, which is like such a slow, sad song. Yeah, and then it picks up I speed of living, it. and then the album ends. Uh, Blood yeah. of a Mutt was also on my list, but that one's for another day. All right, Alex, I really appreciate the research you put in for this, and uh, just the consummate professional as always. God bless you, my friend. Of Mitch, course. what do you got? Um, I have what I think is the song that actually, hmm. the song off Hung at Heart, it's either this song or one other song that me and Brian were thinking of earlier. I'm going with Living in a Memory. Uh, I'm Mitch and I just take Brian's songs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a great pick i mean it's just it's it has a the the drum when the drums get going in that song with the lead guitar with the obviously the acoustic starting it off it's 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 very beautiful hung out is a stacked album yeah that was probably one of my you know one of my first favorites that song i think that's my dad's favorite growler song oh facto about jeff yeah Okay. I'll talk. Maybe I'll give Jeff a call. Yeah. Talk to him about it. Get, get Jeff on the horn for me. Is he there? He's downstairs. Yeah. Well, he he loves to come on the podcast, so we can have you two do a little rendezvous on the podcast next week. Yeah, let's talk some history. Is he, uh, are you still? Doing oh, history? do you want to sit on? You want to sit on in on a battle? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well. Well, you hear it here first, folks. Battle of the Week coming back next week. Mitch, my dad, and myself. Um, Mitch, uh, or actually Michael, uh, what do you got for us here? Yeah, so I hate to do this because I, I just hate to do it, but I think that if anyone is getting into the Growlers, if, the, if they're going to a Growler show, um, anything that really has to do with the Growlers, I think that you need to listen to this song because – it's maybe the song that most people know. Uh, and Rowler's survival guide, Coachella 2016. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm just going to throw on uh, Going Gets Tough. It's um, a classic song. It's a no classic. Yeah. It's a classic. Uh, I just think you need to know it. You know, it, it's it's one of those that might not be a favorite of any of ours, but uh, it needs needs to go on the playlist. See, for, like it's, hard for, it's hard for me to... Uh, like, pick a favorite off of Chinese Fountain because it's such yeah, a it's such a that. well it's such a well flowing like, 
album. I think that album whole. flows the best out of all their albums. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite album. It goes like I, I can't yeah. choose. But maybe yeah, it's favorite. I don't know. It's kind of hard. It's hard to separate the songs, like mm-hmm. in the actual song. It's like you, like I'm just looking at it right now. Sam, you go Big Toe, Big Toe, Black feeling, Memories, man. Chinese Fountain, Dole Boy, Good Advice, Going Gets Tough. I mean, that's just like front side yeah. of that album is insane. It's stacked. Um. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up this draft here with, uh, I think this this is on just like an EP or a single. I know it's definitely not on an album. Um, feeling Good. I uh, Just an absolutely filthy song live when they do it with the organ. Um, very simple song, and I fucking love it. It's uh, Brooks at his best. Isn't that, isn't that like, that's like one of the first songs, right? It's like on, the, on their earliest... I thought that like was released. like 2011, like with Gay Thoughts, but I could be wrong. You could be right. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's on Gay Thoughts. It was right, it was right before. It's EP, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um. All right, guys. Well, any closing thoughts here on The Growlers before we wrap it up? I mean, just I think we all agree a great band that uh, what it seems like should be around for a, a lot longer. So like, I, I definitely think like when I'm 40, I will have an opportunity. Like we'll go see the Growlers together and be like, "Oh, that's fucking awesome." We'll see. I mean, their livers might fail pretty soon. That's what they said about Keith Richards. How old are they? Anyone know? Mid thirties, Mitch. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Mitch, Mitch, you should know that. (laughs) Dude, mid thirties sounds young. They got a lot of time to go. Yeah. Um. Definitely. I could. Uh, Brian, I can maybe send you a photo for this. It's uh, me at the. It was right before the Growlers um, did Beach Goth, um, but it was that was uh, two years ago. It was when they did it in the park instead of at the like instead oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but like in downtown LA, and they had a bunch of pop up shows before, and one of them was a a, a drag show. That uh, me and Clark and uh, our other buddy Chris went to. There's a picture of us. Like, yeah, well, send me that. We could use that as the drag show for the playlist. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for being on. This has been another episode of the Pineapple Couch with B Rob. Uh, we will be back either later this week for some more trivia or early next week. Um, God bless. Talk to you boys later. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Avoid legal snags by telling people you're that they're being recorded. Hey guys, you're being recorded. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Ron. <laughs> Thank you for asking for consent. <laughs>